This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, just in case you're wondering, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. Thank you so much to our patrons on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that enables creatives to get paid. It takes time and money to put together these podcasts and pay for the hosting and all those kinds of things. So our patrons on Patreon truly help make this podcast possible. You know, you can find out more information about being a patron at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash right from the deep. Yes. And thank you so much to our August sponsor of the month, Bobby Optograph. Yay, Bobby! You can find out more about another important cause that she sponsors at friendsofrenacer.com. That's friends of, and then Renacer, R-E-N-A-C-E-R.com. This is a wonderful ministry, you guys. It's a ministry of presence, of praying and visiting and listening and encouraging and helping financially the orphaned children in Honduras. I just love that notion. If you ever wanted to meet Miss Erin Taylor Young in person, <laughs> head yourself to the Florida Christian Writers Conference, which takes place October 20 through 24 this year. It's in Leesburg, Florida, and she will be there. Yes, I will be representing Wild Heart Books. I'm super excited about it. That's a Christian publisher of historical romance, and I'll be taking pitches and appointments for them. And also, I'm going to teach a session on, did God really ask you to write? It's surprising, but lots of writers ask that question. <laughs> so um, head on over to the Florida Christian Writers Conference. We'll have a link in the show notes for more information. And another exciting thing is that we have a sponsorship from the Novel Marketing Podcast with host Thomas Umstead Jr. And I love this guy, you guys. Novel Marketing is the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. And we don't take a sponsorship like this lightly. We agree to it because we know Thomas and we trust Thomas. And his podcast is full of a ton of great great information and advice. And not only does he talk about book promotion and marketing, but he also covers various aspects of the business. For example, one of his recent episodes, which we'll link to in the show notes, was an author's guide to LLCs. Now, that's something many writers have questions about. And if you don't, you probably should, because it's important to be knowledgeable and wise in all aspects of the writing industry. This episode covers issues such as what is an LLC, why you may or may not want one, and how they tie into estate planning. Yes, it covers everything. So remember, as writers, you're creating intellectual property that has value for years, God willing, and you need to understand how to be a good steward of the stories that God has given you. So for more book promotion and platform help, listen to Novel Marketing in your favorite podcast app or at novelmarketing.com. And so we're also talking about wonders. And this week I wanted to share with you guys the wonder of this maple tree outside my window. I'll tell you, in the fall, it dropped, or maybe it was a spring, it dropped all of these little helicopter seed thingies, you know, and they came <laughs> down and they landed in my landscaping. Now, now, the downside of that was 
And from there, they sprouted. They sprouted into these little things. And I kept having to pull them up because I didn't want 10,000 maple trees in my landscaping. But it got me thinking about the wonder of how this can possibly be. It's God. God makes seeds grow. He multiplies things. You look around in nature and you see how God works in the world. And and when you're thinking about what you're writing and what you're doing, you guys are planting seeds and you never know how they're going to grow and what they're going to do and what they're going to produce from just this one little seed that you sow everywhere. So the, the point there, guys, is keep sowing and God makes those seeds grow. Wonderful. And now, here's here's the show. It's another day at Right From The Deep, and we are so delighted you're here to join us. We are also delighted to welcome a guest. Erin, tell us all about her. Her name is Laurel Thomas, and she is a dear friend of mine. Laurel Thomas is a former high school English teacher who loves words and their power to convey remarkable stories. She's written for inspirational magazines, including Guidepost and Mysterious Ways, as well as she's ghostwritten nonfiction. How about that? And her debut novel, River's Call, was published by Wild Rose Press. She's also a writer's coach, a chaplain to the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation. How about that? Wow. And she's a general administrator for the conferences and writing intensive of Write Well, Sell Well and WriterCon 2020 in Oklahoma City. And guess what? Aside from all of that, though, Laurel is one of the sweetest, most gentle-spirited women I have ever met. I'm telling you, her love for Jesus and for others, it just actually radiates out of her when Whenever you get like within five feet of her, it's like this wave. So, Laurel, I am just so delighted to have you here with us today. Welcome. Welcome. Well, it is wonderful to be here and to see Erin's face because I've missed her since she moved away. And (laughs) thank you. Thank you, Erin. And thank you, Karen, for inviting me today. I've been so excited. Yes, we were too. We were too, yes. And so our first question, as always, Laurel, what does a deep mean to you? Oh, for years and years, I wrote nonfiction and loved nonfiction. And what I would do was I would, you know, in the morning when I'd have a quiet time, the Lord would show me something special. And so when I first started writing, I thought, you know, I think I'll just practice blogging. So I would take those little mini revelations and I would apply them to real life and get them down on the blog. And basically that's how I started really getting my writing out there because I had written, I had ghosted nonfiction for pastors and, you know, lots of different venues, but I really had never gotten my work out into the universe. So, so anyway, that's kind of how I started. And I, have learned over the years that our father is the creator and that he has incredible insights into people, into life that really need to be communicated. Mm. So when I think of right from the deep, I think of that scripture and I told Aaron this from Psalm 
42, that deep calls to deep. Mm, there's yeah. something, there's something about the wooing of the spirit who calls to our spirit. And there is such joy and such, such riches, such treasure there. So that's basically how I would translate the deep. That's mm. wonderful. I like that. Yeah, and it really ties in with the things that we wanted to talk about today because we wanted to talk about how our journey with the Lord offers those rich themes and how do we find those themes? Yeah. What do we do with them? And this is something that you're, you know, doing well. So talk a little bit about how you do this. Well, thank you. You know, I made a big shift in 2013 into fiction. And it was funny. As a writer, I thought, how hard could it be? Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out it was. It was difficult because <laughs> you guys, because I was like, hey, it's it's still writing. How you know? Well, the learning curve was incredible, and when I started, I wasn't very good, but I started anyway. And I really have realized something so important as a writer, and really, it's true for life too. That growth really means going into those uncomfortable new places that we are not familiar with. We're not really totally comfortable with, and really we don't have mastery over. Mm. But the Lord beckons us into those places, and uh, if we will humble ourselves and be willing to go with Him in those new places, it's just kind of amazing how He will expand us and what really he'll release in us that we maybe didn't even know was there. Mm, Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it does. It, and that's what I really love about God. When he draws us into this task of writing, we come usually, I don't think I've known any writers in all the years I've been in publishing who've come into this task and said, I can do this, and, wow. and didn't didn't have a sense of, what the heck am I doing? And and yet what I love about it is that God knows where we're at every stage. And at every stage, he draws us deeper, not just into him, but into our own selves, into understanding who we are and why we are and what it is that motivates us and what it is that stirs us. I remember um, several, well, a lot of years ago, I, I loved to read romance novels, but reading the Bible wasn't all that appealing to me. So I actually prayed for God to give me a love and a desire for reading scripture. And when I went to read scripture next, there was such excitement inside of me. And the words were living water that came into me and refreshed me and gave me new insights. And that was my first step into the deep with Jesus. And then that informed the writing and the work that I did. So yes, it makes absolute sense. You know, I love also what you said about Going into a place that's uncomfortable, which we don't want to go into, obviously, I mean, we know we're not good at it. We have no control over it. And the only way for us to do that is to be humble, you know, and and humility is the key. It, it just reminded me of, you know, the Israelites wandering through the desert. And why did God give them manna like mm -hmm. over and over and over again? And it says in Deuteronomy 8, 16 and 17, 
by the way, Deuteronomy, one of my favorite places to find <laughs> verses because yeah. they're so good. So it yeah. says this, in the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you yes. to do good for you in the yes. end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. And <laughs> I love that. Because if we're not humble, we're not acknowledging that it's God who's doing the work. It's Amen. God who's getting the glory. So that's that's my favorite key word there. <laughs> I love that. And of course, you know, it's true for probably any career that we really feel called to. I mean, there is a certain amount of equipping and I had to learn the craft of storytelling. And so that meant that I had to humble myself to begin anew, to go to conferences, to study craft books, and then <laughs> to actually write fiction and to actually get it out there and let <laughs> other people, um, you know, other, well, I took it to critique groups, of course, I took it to writers intensives, and it, it had to have eyes on it. It had to have readers' eyes. It had to have a published novelist eyes. So, you know, so that was a, a venture again into the deep where you just kind of have to practice. Yes, you, you know, I remember, Aaron, the first time that I went to Mount Hermon, yeah. you, were, you were there. And so I uh, got all of the recordings, yeah. all of them. And when we, when I got home, of course, you know, technology was different then, but I listened to all of those recordings over and over and over. And yeah. I prayed, Lord, is this yep. going to be like osmosis? Yep. Is this going to be like immersion therapy? <laughs> I hope so. But <laughs> was it, I mean, it was great for getting me started, but still there was so much practice and there was so much that I needed as yeah. far as feedback that, uh, yeah, it, I'm grateful right. that I've had really kind people around me. Uh, I haven't had people who really have shot me down. Well, I mean, I entered a few times. <laughs> <laughs> right. I might have been shot down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm a fan of those, of just getting uh, the recordings of conferences. I can't tell you how many conferences I bought the full set of recordings for, and I learned so much yeah. that way. It's a, just a crash course. But let's let's circle back to, you know, talking about how our journeys with the Lord give us, you know, rich themes for writing. You probably have some examples or stories from your own life where oh, you've done I that. I do. This is one of my favorite things, Erin. So... <laughs> I get so excited. You know, uh, <laughs> years ago, I had a dream. And uh, my husband and I were in the dream. We're uh, living in a mountain chateau. And we had a whole bunch of children around us. And, okay, so that's not totally, <laughs> well, yes, it was pretty unlikely. We have never visited a mountain chateau. But anyway, so all of these children. So when I woke up, I was like, Lord, that is, it was such a vivid dream. And I had a sense that the children were in danger and that the reason they were there was because we were supposed to protect them. So I started researching hmm. about hidden children. And sure enough, I got 
all kinds of uh, information about Jewish children who were sent away during the Holocaust for their own protection because the Nazis considered them useless eaters. They were uh, less than the least. So anyway, so I was like, oh, this is amazing. And I, I tried to create a story from that dream about these children who are hidden away in a mountain chateau. But really, that was just, it was setting it in World War II was just too much. I couldn't get a handle for it. And so I put it on the shelf for a long time. Right. And I, one morning I was thinking about the Magi and I had studied the Magi and I had studied uh, what the Old Testament calls cities of refuge. Mm. And it was interesting. Both of those concepts mm. were so, uh, let me just go back real quickly to cities of refuge. So the cities of refuge were put in place early on, and they were fascinating because the path to a city of refuge had to be lined out very clearly. And those refuge cities were built in white limestone, and they were placed on top of a mountain so that if anyone was accused of manslaughter, that they could run to that city of refuge and they would get a fair trial at the city of refuge if they made it <laughs> if they didn't make it there was a blood <laughs> blood avenger usually a family member and this was manslaughter of course so if they didn't make it to the city then a blood avenger could kill them legally mm. for that manslaughter whether it wow. and of course this was accidental Anyway, the long and the short of it was, I thought, wouldn't it be fun to write kind of a fantasy uh, about a city of refuge? And who would the, mm-hmm. the enemy attack but maybe magi children? And magi children who were gifted mm-hmm. in ways that would impact their world in, in a way that really was supernatural, but was supernaturally natural. So as I had done a little bit of uh, research on the Magi, I, I found out that Daniel was actually the chief of the Magi during his during his time with the kings, huh. right? When he was worked with, I think, four or five right. different kings. But anyway, so the Magi kind of got this, I don't, I don't know, that's a bad reputation, but really they were known kind of in our culture, our Christian culture, as magicians or occultists, but that's Mm -hmm. not really what Mm -hmm. they were, especially during Daniel's time. They were influencers of culture, and they were often, they were spiritual counselors to kings. So they they were known for supernatural wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so when we see the wise men coming to meet the new king, Jesus, you know, these yeah, they were not occultists. They were learned, wise men who came from a different culture, but who were recognized as counselors to kings. So the fact that they came to see Jesus is very significant. And so, okay, this is convoluted, but I'm just showing you how a story kind of derived out and evolved 
out of two things the Lord showed me, which were the cities of refuge and also the information about the Magi. It's funny. I've talked with a lot of writers over the years, and I've heard a lot of stories where they say, you know, God showed me this X X number of years ago, and I just didn't know what it was for, so I just tucked it away. And then at some point down the road, it's as though that thing just hits them again. And because of the current circumstances or what they've learned since then in their relationship with the Lord, suddenly it's so clear to them, and they build this whole story, fiction or nonfiction, around what they learned in that. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that that we learn from this is that we need to be focused on what God is telling us. We need to be focused on what he's speaking to our own hearts and why, and what we're learning about him, not so much focused on getting published, but focused on growing in him. And then when he gives us the tasks that he does, whether it's writing or whatever creative endeavor it might be, we're prepared to go in, and he enlightens us so that we can enlighten others. I love that about him. Yes. Right. And I like what you're saying, Karen, because we can get so focused on what's happening external. We can get so focused on goals and so focused on, you know, finishing the book, and we forget to pay attention to what's happening inside us, our own internal journey, and how much we we in our relationship with God and what he teaches us, how much of that we can put in the story. And instead we're just like, oh, I've got to, you know, I'll lose. I don't even have time to spend time with God today. Sorry. You know, and it's just no, like, exactly. that's not, exactly. not going to make it work. The other thing I like Laurel too, is that you did not hold that vision, that dream as sacred in, I can never change it. It must be, you know, a mountain chateau and all of these children. I love how you held that loosely, how you were like, you know what, that's just sort of an ingredient in my crock pot and it's going to simmer and it's okay if it comes out that. as a fantasy <laughs> that it has nothing to do with the chateau, nothing to do even with your first exploration of, you know, the Jewish children. It's just that whole transformation. You were so free and willing to let that transform, you know, how difficult it is when a writer has something in their mind, some vision that they can't let go of, and they can't let it morph and grow and bloom and transform to meet who they are today and what they're growing into and to have all of their experiences come into to a head at one point, you know, and that's just a great example of how you let that simmer and stew and transform into something wisdom, great. Aaron. That's such wisdom. Well, so you haven't read these, um, but this uh, it's actually, there'll be two books out of that idea. And the, the one right now that is under consideration is called When Stars Brush Earth. And so isn't that a great, I, just, I love that I, title <laughs> that was that happening one time, but it, you know, I wanted to say to Aaron that this is very personal, but you'll find it in River's Call and you'll find it also in uh, When Stars Brush Earth and Stones of Promise is that there's always a heroine who really has no clue who she is and who struggles basically with an orphan spirit, you know, just that 
not being able to connect, mm-hmm. not recognizing love when love is all around her. Um, so that has been a personal journey that I, I know well. And so that is really inscripted into my protagonists and, and really that's in, in, in all of my novels. Where hmm. In some aspect, um, there is a main character who really has no clue who she is. And yet who she is, is shouting to hmm. her all around her to the people who truly love her. So you see a little bit of that in Missy. That's where I began to uh, investigate that in River's Call. So that would be like a major theme as far as like, how do we take a personal journey and then communicate it in a way that is engaging in a story, in story form, in, in a main character? Yeah. So it's been interesting. Yeah. Well, Laura, believe it or not, our time is almost up. So as you think about all the things we've talked about and you think about those who are listening to this podcast, do you have any final words of wisdom or encouragement for them? I would say trust that the creator who created you loves to create through you. Mm. And he, you know, the journey of creating through words, I, I have a scripture real quickly that I read this morning, and it's in Psalm 33, 9 in the Passion Translation, and it says, He breathed mm. words and worlds were created. Mm. I just thought, mm. oh, my goodness, some yeah. thoughts from God are so big. But, <laughs> you know, I think that in a way... What I see, Karen, is that I would love to understand and to really communicate to other writers that the bigness of God can be imparted into a craft. And it's kind of a dance and it's kind of a playground and it's kind of a discovery that is so delightful that if, if, as Aaron said earlier, we'll take the pressure of pride out and the pressure of ego out, it becomes this really delightful journey with the Lord that is rich and that blesses other people. So it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, that's a win-win. Thank you <laughs> exactly. so much. Bill. You're welcome. You're it's welcome. Been, it's you. been wonderful to have you here with us. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Thank you so much. I enjoyed talking to both of you. Indeed. Thank you, Laurel. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm-hmm.